The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. Okay, I guess we can start. I present myself first. I am Juan. I will be facilitating the questions and the talk for the speakers and the attendees. Um, as I said, I am Juan. I am from Sevilla, Spain. My handle in IRC is Vegeta. You can pick me to to read the question at, at the end of the talk to the talk to the speakers. And I present them. They are Manufactura Independente. Um, they are Ana Isabel Carballo and Ricardo Lafuente. Their talk is titled Manufactura Independente 10 Years of Designing in the Libre. Uh, they will be presenting the team behind Manufactura Independente. They are based in Porto, Portugal. Uh, Manufactura Independente is a research studio for design and graphic communications. They are focused on free software, free culture, and critical engagement with design tools. If you have seen recent annual reports from the Free Software Foundation, then you have seen their designs. And you have seen that designers don't need to compromise their freedom to create beautiful work. Um, Ana and Ricardo will celebrate the 10th anniversary of Manufacturing Independente with a look back at their work, their tools, and how free software ideas came to redefine their design practice. You can start. Okay, thank you so much, Juan. Um, first off, um, so yes, for Manufactura and presenting the team, it's, it's the two of us, Anna and Ricardo, we're based in Porto and uh, we uh, have uh, university training in, as designers and uh, we were led to free software by uh, the end of a tool that we were using in college freehand. Uh, and from there, uh, we kind of got into the rabbit hole of all alternatives to proprietary software, which took us to free software and kind of completely redefined our practice. So um, like Juan said, uh, we've started 10 years ago and we are actually really humbled to be celebrating this with the FSF and the free software community at LibrePlanet because um, the FSF is pretty much uh, the 
the clear organization that made uh, many avenues of our work uh, happen. And would like to share with you um, some of uh, the moments in our history uh, where we tried and found, we think we found interesting connections between design, the graphic arts, critical uh, practice and free software and free culture. Um, the first thing that you do as a designer who wants to switch to free software is a switching your tools. Um, but when we started, um, like I said, we started because freehand was gone, Illustrator was the only option, and we realized that um, we needed to um, get a bit out of this dependency of corporate decisions from the other side of the globe. Um, and uh, we realized then that switching to free software is um, definitely not just about switching tools and being as good as the regular designers, but going beyond the premises of proprietary design, if I call, can call, or traditional design that's based on copyright and uh, um, individual authorship. Um, and so the premises of um, free software development practices, collaboration and sharing were uh, instrumental in showing that uh, other design decisions are, uh, other design directions are possible. And this, um, thankfully, 10 years later is uh, still a thing. We are happy that other design studios are also uh, leading the way around uh, free software and um, design and their crossings. And um, so, yeah, we'll start our showcase of work um, with Libra Graphics Magazine. Libra Graphics Magazine uh, is a print publication that we published from 2010 to 2016, together with Ginger Coons. And uh, it started uh, because we, we wanted to showcase, we wanted to have a place where we could showcase the wonderful work that was being done by uh, designers, artists, and other practitioners that were using alternative tools to create graphical work. And, uh, and we wanted it to be a print publication because it was very important to, sh to prove that you could print professionally using uh, free and open source software. So that was one of the main motivations to show, to have a physical object that you could show to everyone and that would be a proof that you can actually do a print publication using Libra tools. Uh, our premises were uh, simple, I would say, uh, use only free software to produce the magazine. Uh, so our, our full workflow was uh, using free tools and we would publish it with, a, with an open license. So after a few uh, months after we published the second issue, we saw that there was a not pirated official reprint of the first two issues and we were very happy to see people using the content, which was also one of the purposes. Uh, this is issue number zero that we quickly put together, uh, the two of us and Ginger Coons, during Librographics Magazine, uh, during the Librographics Meeting 2010, which is this annual conference around free software for graphics. And it was the kickstart to, uh, to the actual uh, magazine. So a few months after we published uh, this, a small issue, we decided to take it on as a full project. And, and behind our motivation, uh, it, there was also this heritage uh, of design magazines that we were used to while we were studying. So we had I Magazine, MEK Magazine, and other publications where you'd have this strong focus on the process. So it was not only about creation, 
uh, or the graphics themselves, but how you think about it and and how you organize your projects. And when you switch to when you when you actually see magazines that are uh, oriented to free software, you see that they are very focused on practical results. And we were also interested in the process, how you get there, and not so much about uh, having uh, things ready and done. So we we laid out the magazine using Scribus, uh, and we tried to cover a whole range of different uh, themes during the eight issues that we published. Uh, each issue would be a space to uh, experiment with new tools. So we were using command line tools like Image Magic. We were trying to automate everything that we could because we were a small team of people putting everything together, though a large team of contributors to, the, to which we are very thankful for writing and uh, contributing content. Uh, we adopted Git as the um, as the place to to collect our files, our source files, and to share them with each other, and to manage all the workflow of producing the magazine. And this came directly from what we saw free software projects doing. So they were using Git to organize their uh, collaborative work, and we wanted to do exactly the same with the magazine. And we also wanted that everyone could go to the Git repository at any point in time and read what we were up to. And you see this, this is an old thing. Uh, we went to uh, free software conferences. This was our stand at FOSDEM. We did lots of stickers. And yeah, I guess it's... Yeah, the, uh, so the, the magazine project ended in 2016. Um, and uh, you can you can go to the graphicsmag.com website. In the end, we give you a URL where you can uh, see the stuff that uh, we've been showing. Um, but so after it ended, we had this kind of unfinished business, which was when the when we published the magazine, everything was done in Scribus, so outputting PDF, and we made the PDFs freely available. Um, but something that really bothered us was that uh, we didn't have a web version of our content, especially after ending the, the magazine, we wanted to see um, to see the, the magazine kind of being laid to rest in the most dignified way at some point. Um, and providing the archives would be um, the, the best way to do so. So let's, eventually we found time to get into the Scribus file formats and try to write, use Python to write some converters to um, to convert from the Scribus file format to Markdown, which we could then hook up into Pelican, which is a Python um, static site generator, and then um, publishing up um, uh, publishing it um, regularly as a website. Um, you will will point you again, so the the URL actually uh is um yeah well we're going to share with you at the end and keep you just uh waiting a bit while we talk uh so these are some recipes that we kind of came up with while doing uh like trying to extract all the images from the scribus file and um using pelican we created repositories and we created a website where all the content is now properly indexed um and you can uh, and you can look into everything in instead of having to leaf through a PDF, which is hardly uh, an optimal reading experience. And we're kind of really, really happy uh, in the end that we managed to, um, to put everything in 
uh, web format and kind of uh, getting into a raw format away from the clunky PDF format, which is great for displaying and seeing things, but kind of not good for storing raw content and presenting it or allowing it to be used in pipelines. Uh, for the Libre Graphics magazine, when, when we put together the first issue, we wanted to have a typeface just for the magazine, as you usually do. Uh, but we didn't have enough time, so uh, because we were using uh, free software and also uh, free fonts, uh, Libre fonts, actually, we decided to create to remix an existing font, uh, Libre font, called uh, Not Curious Sans, which uh, was designed by a Belgian design collective called uh, OSP, and we decided to make this uh, to make this our font. Uh, and a not curious sense is a monospaced font. Um, and for our version, we decided to make it proportional, so we called it prop curious sense. And that was our main edit for the first uh, version of the typeface. And here we also went with. Um, with a mindset of uh, that 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 came also from uh, GNU Linux, so uh, the principle of release early, release often. So we decided, okay, we cannot make it, uh, we cannot finish it for the first issue of the magazine. So we will improve on the typeface as we go through each issue. So this was our first version, and and you can see that just changing the spacing of the font makes a big difference in how it looks. And here you can compare. So here uh, on the top uh, of the slide, you can see not courier sense. And on the bottom, you can see uh, prop courier. And here you can see the difference between the version that we put together for the first issue of the magazine and the version of the second issue. So our main uh, changes here were the punctuation, which we made smaller and also some details as the, the kerning of the word uh, floss that we used quite a lot. Um, and to do this uh, remix of the typeface, uh, we put together a script that we called Transpacing that actually imports the spacings of an existing typeface to another one. So we just uh, took the spacings from a different Libre typeface, and we imported them to not Curious Sans to make it proportional. And here you can see the font uh, in FontForge, and you can see the script uh, that we then uh, went on to use to try out in different fonts, as this was a revelation. Uh, and because we we released it also as a, an open uh, Libre font, uh, then uh, the the creators of the the original typeface, they used our font as well in their work, in other works. So here you see one of their web, one website that they designed where they are using Prop Courier. Uh, and then we had the wonderful surprise, uh, maybe two years later, someone contributed a medium uh, version. So we had regular and bold and a designer based in uh, Austria, he created Prop Courier Sans Medium and he sent the file to us which was really just wonderful. Uh, so moving on, now uh, we'll speak a little bit about our work with uh, pen plotters, which are these uh, printers that came up in the end of the 50s and that are now actually really popular. Uh, and we, we got in 
we got to know these machines around 2011, I think, because there was a student um, doing his master thesis uh, around plotters and he wanted to make one of those uh, machines work and he, he didn't manage to. He saw that there were libraries uh, in Linux to work with uh, pen plotters and so he got in touch with us because he knew that we were using uh, free software so that we would help him uh, revive the machine. So it was a whole journey uh, from putting together the cable to connect it to the computer according to schematics that we found online to then uh, installing the libraries, making it print and making it actually print correctly because at first she was printing uh, inverted drawings and it was quite a mess. Uh, and one of the things that we found wonderful is that because uh, we were using free software, we had this possibility of going back to an obsolete uh, printer and to work with a format that was discontinued, but that you could actually uh, save as in Inkscape, for example, uh, even though you had other possibilities to save in the format that uh, plotters uh, print, which is HPTL. And uh, and so that was uh, that was just quite easy in the end. Uh, this is the demo drawing of one of our plotters, because then of course we had to get a few. And and one of the things that we really like is that you have the physical aspect of the of the object. So this is the same drawing, and the only difference is that we placed a pen in the plotter, and she was not correctly fixed to the mechanical arm. So you have the same drawing, but the line is completely different and you get this completely different um, output every time that you print with it. And there's a whole lot of things to explore from the different pens that you can print with, and each pen will have a different stroke width, and that's all controlled in the physical world and not in your uh, software editor. So you have to kind of gamble with what you're editing in the computer, but also what you're seeing coming out of the, of the printer. Uh, this is one poster that we did for uh, uh, the call of Interativos uh, 2013. Um, and it sh uh, shows this weird uh, diagram of uh, uh, things coming together. So you have uh, terms related to design, you have formats, you have uh, software, and we were uh, kind of finding connections uh, around it and we, we printed the poster with the plotter. Uh, Yes, printing with plotters means that you're only printing with lines and that changes quite a lot of things, how you feel surfaces. You have to explore uh, different techniques. Um, and for fonts, it's, it's also a constraint. You have to go uh, and use stroke fonts, which are a really specific set of uh, fonts. So these are some of our exper experiments with hatching, different kinds of ways to fill uh, areas. Uh, we also, uh, took the chance to design a few typefaces thinking of how to draw a line. And here again, you can see that uh, in this print, for example, we were using a pen that was uh, that had almost no ink. So the places where uh, the lines are uh, stronger are the ones where the pen uh, spent most of the time. So in the endings of the letters and the, the intersections, and that all made uh, a lot of sense while exploring this new medium. So we also printed a few uh, specimens for typefaces using the plotter and did a whole series of experiments because it's kind of addicting. 
Uh, and this is uh, some of the, the most recent experiments. Um, I will not go into much detail because it will take time, but you can, you can print with white, silver, and etc. Right, yeah, I'll check this one and we'll go back to it if we have time because it really depends on how many questions we'll have later and maybe we'll go back to that, but uh, we have to take on this one. So um, another typographic um, endeavor of ours was a big project called Sejeria, which was developed with the Media Lab Prado. Um, absolutely remarkable institution, cultural institution in Europe, uh, who has been working the intersections of free culture, uh, participative democracy, collective uh, building processes, and, um, and free software. Uh, I'll get back to them later because they've been uh, in the news for um, sadder reasons, but um, I'll just show uh, one of the things that we've developed with them. So uh, when they moved into their current building, Medela uh, Prado, I think this was in 2012, they were in this gorgeous, um, um, this gorgeous early 20th century building, which had these amazing uh, letters uh, on stone carved letters. Um, and they wanted not only to um, develop a typeface based on these designs, but also um, not and not also only make it free to um, free as in freedom, um, but also create it collaboratively in an in a open and free. Um, genuinely collaborative process. Um, so um, we developed a workshop format um, that took three days to develop um, this typeface in, in uh, Media Lab Parado. Um, and I'll go through a bit some of the phases because we've drawn from, uh, from a lot of uh, software development methodology to make this happen. Um, so there are a few problems when you want to design typeface together with other people, which is first, how do you synchronize everyone kind of working on the same style? How do you make decisions? Um, and, uh, and how do you collaborate? Uh, how do you um, actually kind of walk along the same paths in order to get into a final uh, result? Um, so the first thing that we that we did in the workshop was uh, having everyone uh, start sketches based on the on the letter form pictures that we had and then uh, we got uh, into uh, part of the workshop that software developers will uh, probably uh, find familiar which is the B, uh, bdfl um, part which is the benevolent dictator for life role um, at some point we had to look at possible directions and make a decision and we can make that collectively um, but that has one thing, which is it takes a lot of time and skill to actually get to a consensus. Um, so we just really decided to assume and tell everyone, if they agreed, of course, um, that we would be benevolent dictators for life and make our decisions, explaining why. Uh, and we would pick the, the, the drafts that looked more interesting so that we would then pick that one and go on uh, making other characters like people are doing here. Um, at the end of the first day, we actually had two um, kind of complete uh, typeface, complete in uh, um, all caps, no no lowercase. So this was one. And uh, this was the other. We we also found that uh, the, the carved stone letters, after some inspection, they are not actually a font in the sense that the letters are uh, exactly the same. They would be kind of squished or 
more condensed as depending on the line and how how crowded the composition was, which is pretty remarkable, like a very artisan um, artisan feeling to that, like no two A's were like. So we uh, we uh, went with two uh, two different typefaces, and then. Um, after deciding this collectively, we went um, to finish the character sets. Um, we digitized them with Inkscape, um, and then we, um, like converting them into vector files, SVG, with Inkscape, and then uh, used FontForge to um, pass those SVG into font files. Um, we used the tool that Anna outlined a moment ago, um, Transpacing, to actually borrow the spacings from its existing typeface, which is something that you can only do with uh, with the open uh, open like fonts have this specific license, the open font license, which is actually a copyleft license, um, and this um, this is actually the only the thing that allows us to do this, like get the spacings from another from on this one with proprietary fonts. You cannot do this; you, you pay for them. But the EULA almost always will well always uh, will forbid you from modifying and publishing modified versions. So this is one of the cases where the the non-proprietary approach really brings you higher agency in your work. And this was something that we've always been delighted about. Um, so, um, and if, yeah, these are the final designs. So Seria Sobria uh, was one of the weights and uh, Seria Extravagante was the other. Um, we were pretty successful with uh, software, um, with uh, the software that was running on uh, people's computers. There were 30 people, and there, of course, you, sh you know that it's always a big deal getting different operating systems to uh, to play along with, uh, especially with design tools like Inkscape and FontForge. What we did back then was use a virtual machine. We made a snapshot, a virtual image of uh, back then it was Linux Mint running some graphic software. So we prepared that, we had people download that and run that with, uh, back then it was VirtualBox. I'm pretty sure that better stuff has come up in the meantime. Uh, and so everyone ha had this desktop, it worked really, really well. And also for some people who never touched a free software desktop, this was a really good selling point to show them and have their computers show them that uh, not only can it run, it looks really good. It can be very um, clean compared to uh, to the kind of uh, current trend of operating systems with telemetry and what have you. Um, so this was actually really successful using a virtual uh, machine for providing workshop participants with the necessary software. Um, and of course, Medilla Prado, um, well, not of course, Villa uh, Prado as a special institution, not just pick this up and run with the fonts, but by run, um, I mean, they really ran a lot. Not only did they employ it on their, like their fab workshops, um, they did exhibitions about uh, about their identity using this radio typeface, and this at sign is one of our favorite things about all typeface. Um, they made their own signage with uh, the typefaces and uh, Colectivo Grafica Liebre, which is also a design studio by, um, based in Madrid, um, turned the, the typeface into the actual uh, logo for Media La Prado, which um, to this, this day stays there. Well, actually, not really, um, because right now, um, 
a strange coincidence um, was that Miguel Prado was suddenly asked to leave their premises and move into much smaller ones um, from what has been described by people close to the project as a, uh, an acceptable um, power move by the uh, Madrid um, city hall, uh, who are basically evicted, uh, basically evicted then. This happened two days ago, uh, like the, the threat was acted upon by the Ayuntamiento. And now and the future of Miguel Prado is very much in danger. So um if if you're in Europe it, and you're anywhere close to the arts uh, and especially art, arts and technology you certainly run across media lab Prado. and um Save the Lab and the We Are the Lab campaigns are uh, take, uh, taking the lead in exposing this to the rest of the world. And it's something that we really care about, as you can understand from our proximity to the project. Um, now, um, this one. So from there, we developed um, another model of workshops. We realized, OK, not only can we collaborate uh, to make a single typeface um, that works, um, we kind of can set up physical version control where people, uh, that worked really well, the methodology. So we decided to take it up a bit further and develop the workshop model to make a typeface, a full typeface in one afternoon. Um, so this, uh, we started in Barcelona and then took it to other places of Spain, Tomelloso, Aviles, and later Graz in Austria, uh, where we developed, um, we did a type bits uh, workshop series. I'll give you a link at the end to the whole uh, documentation. Um, but it's based around the uh, bitmap fonts. Um, so like the previous Serreria um, method, we had people draw it um, in uh, squared paper um, and then make collective decisions on how, okay, so let's go this way or that way. Um, people, we eventually made a decision and then we would digitize it. These are some examples from some of the workshops at the drafted letters. We didn't touch computers until the, letter, the letters were done. That's also an important detail. And the way to digitize this is a pipeline that we've developed using GitLab, um, which is, um, you can see how this user is actually using Notepad. Uh, basically, you draw the fonts in ASCII art, and you save uh, the characters in each single text file. And this. Uh, makes uh, makes you able to work just in the browser by editing files using the, the GitLab front-end editor. Um, and, uh, and this is one of the results. And this is kind of a, uh, a refinement that we made later out of one font that came out of the, the workshops. And this is another. Uh, but something, oh, and this is the documentation site, which we'll uh, give you the link for in a moment. Um, but one of the interesting technical details is that we've employed the continuous integration tools of GitLab uh, to generate not only the fonts it's themselves based on the text files. So basically, you just need to make the text file. You commit that the the folder with the with the characters in ASCII art, and it builds the true type open type font file for you, and it builds the a specimen HTML version of the type specimen. Um, and uh, we were really pleased with that uh, workflow because fonts like this, this, these two were made in an afternoon with groups of seven to eight people. And it was also a great introduction to Git because uh, yeah, it's always uh, the kind of thing that it's difficult to uh, put new users uh, using. I mean, especially if you're coming uh, to a group of graphic designers. And it's also a really useful tool for the kind of work that we do because it goes through lots of different versions. 
So this was a really wonderful way to, uh, in, to introduce people to version control uh, also. And now I'll just briefly go through uh, a tool that we are um, presenting here for the first time. I mean, we, we made a toot about it in Mastodon in August, I think, but we didn't actually present it uh, publicly yet. Um, so it's called Squarish and uh, it's a um, browser-based uh, editing um, software um, or app if you'd call it. And we we made it uh, using Paper.js. So you can just uh, open your browser uh, and we'll give you the link uh, so that you can try it out. Um, and you don't have to install anything and you can draw vectors in the browser. And uh, we wanted to have this for ourselves. So we wanted to be able to draw with a fixed set of tiles and explore this almost zen-like editor that would only have the tiles that we pick and uh, uh, a color palette that was also limited. So that was uh, the, our two main, um, main points uh, when building the tool. And this is an early version of it. Uh, this is almost a more recent one. So you can draw in the browser and you only have the tiles that are uh, showing here on the right and the colors that are there. Uh, and when we finished the first version, we, we, we asked if people were interested in trying it out and also giving us their feedback because as uh, people that are building it for themselves, we, we of course have our own views, but we, we want to, to share this. It's published as a free software. So, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, one of the one of the interesting directions of this kind of when you make a tool is the the beautiful uses that other people make of it. So we've actually um, out of the blue we tried sending it to Polydux, which uh, who is uh, an artist that whose work we're really huge fans of, and who was uh, also a big inspiration to start this, uh, the Squarish uh, tool. So, um, and not only did he give his blessing to what we were doing, he actually sent us some incredible exper uh, graphic experiments using, uh, using our tool, and these are two of them, which make us smile a lot. Um, we're also really happy at Mastodon, like uh, friends started uh, coming back at us with, with this, uh, with the experiments made with the tool. And this is an example of a poster that we were designing using uh, Squarish because this, this kind of grid-based, like drawing shapes on a fixed grid is really handy for some types of designs. And for this, there wasn't really an easy solution uh, or a straightforward one that would allow you to make this kind of thing. So um, it's actually developed with uh, J, uh, Paper.js and jQuery. We'd like to rewrite it with uh, Vue.js, but we, we've been on, on the field long enough to think that rewrites usually mean uh, the doom of a project, so we'll hold it back. Um, so this is under the Squarish site, which you'll find I shared on IRC a link with um, with all the links that we were mentioning here on the, on the talk. Um, and yeah, this, like I mentioned, this is the first public presentation. It's not kind of ready. Uh, I wouldn't even call it beta. Uh, I wouldn't really call it released. Uh, so it is really unreleased and we'd like you to think that we're sharing it with you in a kind of 
friends in a fireplace setting where we share it with you. We have, well, if you must um, spread the word, please do. But uh, mostly what we'd like was for you to try out, try it out um, and see how you like it. And then actually, if you want to get back at us um, and point out some really weird bug that you found, we'd be super grateful. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is kind of um, also promising the direction that we're taking, making our own tools. Um, we're also really um, excited with the potential of toolkits like Paper.js and others uh, to make uh, visual outputs and enable other ways to design. Um, yeah, and uh, there is a GitLab repository, of course, which you can find at gitlab.com. Manufactura in, and then you'll see all our stuff, our public stuff. There is a GitHub one, but we're trying to migrate, so GitLab is nice. Um, so right now, um, I think we're 10 minutes away from the end. So um, if there's questions, uh, we will, um, we're happy to, to get back to them. If there's not or not enough, uh, we can go back on the slides and pick up on a couple of works that we didn't show for the sake of time. Um, yeah, yeah, you can you can actually ask because we have the IRC window open, and we can save Juan some some work. Okay, so yes, people feel free to to ask. Thank you a lot for the presentation. You gave. Uh, uh, very good presentation about your journey with Manufactura Independente. A lot of beautiful topics that we covered, like the Libre Graphics magazine, the plotters tools, the the free fonts. You got price in the channel about the about the fonts. They say they are lovely. Um, um, I am looking to see if, if uh, one of them, Floss, is asking if you have. They have a question about your workbooks. Maybe they, mm -hmm. they can. Ah, yeah, Tilde. Okay, so uh, I think uh, so. Floss is asking about a specific project, which is Tilde.pt, which is something that we started uh, post, well, we started previous to the pandemic and became like a very important project, which is a commu small community based on Tilde Club. And if you don't know Tilde Club, you absolutely have. Uh, as well. um, yeah, we, we started Tilda because we started teaching uh, last year and we wanted to have this space for our students mm -hmm. to publish uh, what they were uh, coming up with. And, and so we got uh, just one week before we started classes, we got a Raspberry Pi and we set up a small server and, and Tilda Club was our inspiration. But then uh, after classes ended, uh, we wanted to have this space, uh, and we we know quite a few people. Well, not quite a few, but a few people here, and in Portugal that are interested in technology, and so we we set up to start Atilda in Portugal. Yeah, basically a small community where we're having fun uh, playing games by email and uh, publishing uh, web pages as as you were doing on the nineties. It's so cool to do that now. So the question was, at Gemini support not only HTTP. I want to do that. Uh, we, we really wanted to, we were talking about this, Gemini looks really cool, but um, it's uh, been tough to dedicate um, time to expand the features of Tilda. Right now it's afloat, but note that that is on our wish list. So thank you for 
um, suggesting a very, very, very relevant and interesting protocol. Um, I see a question about going more into detail, the, uh, following a beautiful comment, um, but I, I'm struggling to understand the question, maybe about the hacker approach. Oh, yes. Yeah, I see a lot of feature requests. We had to talk after this. I have a question. Um, for example, uh, you mentioned that Tilde Club is uh, currently in Portugal. Is any way of people that are outside of Portugal to collaborate or participate on, on it? Uh, you mean uh, so? We, uh, you mean Manufactura based in Portugal? No, uh, Tilde Club, for example. Do Tilda? Ah, um, well, so so with with Tilda. So the Tilda is a Portuguese language thing, which is not an exclusivist or nationalist thing at all. Um, but it's also a nice escape from an English language internet for us. So there is something. Um, so that's the thing. If you're uh, it's not like we have an issue with having other other content, as long as you you're okay with uh, being on a Portuguese language community, then of course you're most welcome. That's good to know. I, I was wondering the same about, for example, the Media Lab Prado that you mentioned. I don't know if, if they are, uh, since they are based in Madrid, they are uh, only for Spanish-speaking people, or they are also international. Uh, no, I think Media Lab Prado has a very, very international scope, uh, and not just European, but uh, worldwide. Um, actually, yeah, the, the news of the that the lab shutdown are really, really uh, hurtful. And um, at this point in history, very, very demotivating because that's really one of the social hopes for uh, another kind of uh, design for life, for city, for society, and for work um, that we're losing. And I mean, we had amazing uh, times there. So it's something that's worth following um, if you're slightly interested in idea of cultural institutions and the struggles they face today. Um, if there's not other questions and we still have a few minutes, maybe we just show a final project. Yes, you have time to expand uh, anything that you may think that you sure. gave little time before. That. We have like four minutes. Okay, yeah, I'll super quickly uh, run through uh, another project that we had, where is Colorfont? Okay. Um, so this, and this was a long time ago that we started doing uh, this experiment with the color fonts on the browser. This website is offline and something that we have to take online. And I'd also ask anyone who's watching this and checking our site, if you find something weird, we just launched a new version today. So we'd be more than happy to hear for about broken links or things out of place. But uh, yeah, you can see this idea. Uh, it comes from this old uh, type of um, posters with fonts with two colors. This is not a thing when you're using fonts, traditional fonts, because, uh, well, they're not designed for being split. So we tried doing that in the JavaScript library to show this. Um, so these were some examples. Um, and this is also something that you can only do with, uh, with Libre fonts. Uh, you cannot change Helvetica to make it into a color font, even if you're doing it for your own work or you bought it. Um, if you don't have a special authorization, and I'm very doubtful that they do that, you cannot 
um, modify the font in any way. So this is another um, project where we think that uh, the Libre approach really makes a difference and opens up new possibilities. And we're doing some workshops here and there about this, and this is one of the results. And yeah, maybe you can also show Keith. Hey, Keith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. So this was uh, something we also skipped before, which was uh, Kit Grafica Libre, uh, a kit that we put together uh, inspired by this idea of a dead drop. And we, we did this for the fine arts faculty in Porto. So the design, um, the, the school uh, design here in Portugal. And the idea was that students could go to the, the school canteen and they could find uh, very quickly a place with uh, free software tools, assets, uh, texts, and all kinds of information that had a connection to free software and to graphics. And we found this to be a really uh, good introduction to, to free software and uh, the free, um, free alternatives that are out there because there's a lot of things that you can find online, but m most of the times what you need is someone to hold your hand and to take you through the things that exist and to kind of point you the way and to show you what you could use instead of something else. So this was something that we started with this idea of uh, having a physical thing in the school that we would update regularly. So you'd use proprietary software when you are in class, but then you get out of class and you can go to the canteen and you can um, try something different. And, and we were there uh, to, to make the selection. Uh, we yeah, did this in 2014, I think. Yeah. And it's something that we wanted to keep on doing, but of course, time is limited. I see Juan, uh, like already using so we're over time, just to address a couple of, uh, so the kit is something that we would like, yeah, Parrot Box, that's a great uh, reference. Yeah, that's pretty much the thing, so what, but it's colored with, to a dead drop because we use it with USB. We struggled a bit with the routers. There are some interesting projects using routers for this, but, um, uh, if anyone actually wants to pick this up and uh, and go on thinking, we stopped because we stopped teaching there um, at this school. But we think there is a, there is a, uh, an appeal to this kind of project to provide um, a full set of materials for anyone who's interested in free culture. Can 26 people design a font in under two hours collaboratively? That's a great challenge, and uh, I'd love to take that up. I think it is. I would say it is. Uh, we can... Uh, that we can try uh, someday. Um, let's talk. Uh, Ricardo, Anna, uh, I think we are over time, so we may be cut off, but um, okay. we can continue with answering the, the questions if you are yeah, we... uh, okay with that. Or you can continue over the channel on ISC because people are now getting sending the questions. Sure. sure. So we'll I want to first. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you, FSF and Liber Planet and all the staff.